It's great to see everybody here this morning. Um, for some of you on the aisles, there is a basket. So if you'll at this time get that basket, there are some communication cards in there. And those are for us to have some contact information for you so we can let you know about what's going on at Emmaus, as well as there's a place to put prayer requests. So we really do take a look at those and pray for them. So um, we'd love to pray for you. So please use those. That'd be great. You may have noticed there's a few less teenagers in the house. And that's because a lot of our teenagers and youth leaders are in Truckee uh, at a winter youth retreat this weekend. So uh, if you think about them, I think a little bit later, actually, we're going to pray for them. So um, we just pray that God's going to work in their lives this weekend. And then in addition, we don't have Nate here today. He's actually speaking over at District Church in El Dorado Hills. And um, some of you from way back, I think maybe eight, ten years ago, remember CJ, who was um, our worship leader. So he is one of the lead pastors at that church. And so Nate's been invited to speak over there. So we're excited for all of them. All right. I think that's it. So we have the privilege of hearing Melissa Lester share this morning. So Melissa, go ahead and come on up. Thanks. Hello, everyone. Thank you. I am definitely um, really excited to share with you today. I've been preparing, and um, I just pray and hope that what I have to say blesses you and challenges you and encourages you. If you don't know me, my name is Melissa, as Sandy just said. My husband is the executive director here at Emmaus, and yesterday was actually his birthday. So you all can say happy birthday to him. He's very embarrassed about things, but it's, it's good because it really keeps our relationship uh, fun because it's so easy for me to embarrass him without actually having to embarrass myself. So anyway, but that's not what I'm here to talk about today. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's amazing like what you can use as a microphone, like pretend and how easily he is embarrassed by that. But anyways, it works out great for sparks in the relationship. So Anyway, I'm kicking off a new series today, and I'm really, really honored to do that. Um, the series is called Story When God Writes In You, or Writes You In. I keep saying it wrong. When God Writes You In. And in the next few weeks, you're going to be hearing from a few people in our community who will be sharing a collection of stories from the Bible. And then what these stories have in common is that at some point, they jumped off the page, and they made a profound impact in our lives. God used these stories to confront us, to guide us, to rescue us, to help us discover his will and his plan for our lives. And it's like he wrote us into the story. So you have the story in the Bible, but then you know, there, that story is also in our lives. And that's what I'll be talking with you guys about today. And I think it's worth pointing out as we get started in this series that the Bible is a collection of many small stories, but it's telling one great, big, awesome story. An awesome story of God's plan and his desire in his heart to redeem us. His story of love for us. His story of rescue for us. And just, and we should look at all these little stories in the Bible through that lens and realize there's a much bigger and greater story. Amen? Do you guys get that? So today, we're going to look at my, one of my very favorites. And it's a story and it's a command. It's a story and a command from Christ that has had the greatest directional impact on my life. 
Um, it's impacted who, who I married, where I live, where I have lived. It's impacted my free time, the decision that my husband and I made to adopt. It's the story of the Great Commission. And so many dis directional decisions in my life have been influenced by this Great Commission. And I'm so, so grateful for this. Um, my parents actually were very foundational to this in my life as well. Um, they were just crazy enough to let me go on a mission trip when I was 14. And I don't know why I'm crying, but I am, so you're just going to have to deal with it. Um, to Russia for a month. Like, who does that? They're actually here today. You should give them a hand. <laughs> they do that. They let their... <laughs> um, anyway, and I remember for the first time, God using me to bring his word to somebody else. And I was hooked. I was completely hooked. And every summer after that through high school, I went off. Hong Kong, smuggling Bibles into China, Thailand, Vietnam, and all these places impacted my life. And God used this story of the Great Commission to completely transform my life. It was my inspiration in Christ's words to go into all the world. It was what jumped off the, the page at me, and that's what we're going to look at. There are several accounts of the Great Commission, but today I want to look at Acts 1. And we'll look at a few others, but this is what I primarily uh, want to teach out, out of. Starting in verse 3. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. On these occasions, he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Going down to verse 6. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, are you going to free Israel now and restore your kingdom? The Father sets those dates, he replied, and they are not for you to know. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So here you have Jesus in the 40 days after he rose from the dead, so he rose from the dead, and then before he ascended. And he's just going to different groups of his disciples, his apostles, and he's essentially giving them this message. Wait in Jerusalem, you're going to get some power, and then go and preach and make disciples, and go, 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 go. He says it several times, and I think um, we'll look at a couple of those. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone everywhere. Luke 24, 47, with my authority, take this message of repentance to all nations. John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This was the message of the resurrected Christ, go into all the world. And at this point, I like to put myself in the shoes of the disciples, because he gave them this huge, overwhelming job, as if the shock of the resurrected Jesus standing in front of them wasn't enough. I mean, that's probably why he had to go to so many places, not only to prove that he was actually alive, but just, you know, you probably would have to hear it a few times at that point, because he would, what? <laughs> you wouldn't be able to compute 
the resurrected, glorified Christ standing there. And just as we read in Acts, they were more fixed on what Jesus was going to do. They said, when are you going to free Israel and restore your kingdom? In other words, Jesus, when are you going to fix all this? When are you going to set all this right? And this is where the disciples were written into the great story in a big way. Jesus gave them a job. He really gave us a job. He gave them a huge job. Go and preach the gospel to everyone everywhere. Super easy. And they didn't even know about the Western Hemisphere at this point. I mean, <laughs> just think about the magnitude of that huge job. And I think we've all can relate to that, that experience or that feeling of being very overwhelmed by a job. I know um, one of the trips I had the chance to go to, I went to India, and this was right after high school. I was 18 years old, and I went on a medical mission trip. You know, we had doctors and nurses, and, and um, I found myself on a train for 40 hours taking a trip up to Calcutta, India, and we were going to minister in the Mother Teresa homes, the ones, missionaries of charities, very famous, um, you know, everybody knows about her and what she's done. And I remember getting off this um, train late at night, it was very dark, and after 40 hours at every stop on this train, just people with severe deformities would get on the train and just beg and then they would get off right before we would take off to the next stop. And so I was pretty worn out from that and just feeling very overwhelmed by the enormity of the poverty in Calcutta, India. So it's late at night, about 11 or 12 at night, we get off this train and this train station is just massive. And down this huge walkway is just family after family camped out there for the night. And we're carrying equipment and of course we're sticking out like a sore thumb, a bunch of Americans, about 20 of us. We're walking, walking out of the train station, massive boulevard full of cows, water buffalo, people, people on the side of the street, other livestock. And it's, I was incredibly overwhelmed by how much poverty I had seen. And by this time, I'd already been to a nice long list of countries. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, I've got this developing world thing handled. I, I got this covered. So we're walking I'm standing at a bus stop, and this man who has leprosy comes. He was unable to walk. He's scooting on his bottom and using what was left of his hands to get to me, and he just looks at me, and he starts begging. He'd already lost all of his fingers, half of each foot, portions of both ears. His uh, nose was mostly gone, massive sore, swollen, and desperate, completely desperate, and he's begging. He's just going like this, and I'm standing there. My heart's totally broken for him. I'm completely unable to do anything for him at that time, and I'm just like, oh, Jesus, you know, please help this man intervene somehow. He's begging, and at the risk of going to jail, he bops me on the top of my foot just out of frustration that I didn't give him anything as we were instructed not to do that, do so at that time, and so I just kind of step aside and my heart's broken for this guy. He scoots over and he keeps going. He keeps going. Um, get on the bus. Get off the bus. We're in a much less crowded street. Walking down the street and all of a sudden one of my team members goes, Melissa, look out. And I look down and there is an infant sleeping in the street alone 
no clothes, and I almost step on this child because it's so dark in the street. And I barely miss. I lunge forward, step over the baby, and I keep going. And I got to where we were staying, and I just sat down so overwhelmed, like, God, how, what, why, what, you know, like, this is huge. This problem is massive, way outside the scope of what we can do here. And there are so many people utterly lost in darkness, no access to the truth, unloved, untouched, uncared for. They have nothing. They don't even have you. How can you use me? And it was in this moment when I took a breath and God encountered me. And his presence came and it was this overwhelming sense that he was saying, I will use you. I am with you. So this is where God wrote me in. He has given his followers a massive job. But with this promise, or with this great commission, came an extraordinary promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. We just read that. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to, in, to the end of the age. In the great story, we see this pattern over and over again. God sending his servants on a mission with the follow-up promise, do not be afraid, I am with you. And this is where God wrote me into the story while I was in India. I think about Moses. He promised Moses he would give him the words to say, and he told him, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Moses had this burning bush experience. He had this encounter with God, and then God sent him out with the promise that God was going to go with him. Because it's so overwhelming sometimes. And even Mary and Martha, when they saw the resurrected, or Mary and Mary, when they saw the resurrected Jesus at the tomb, I mean, it would have been so much more fun just to kind of like hang out with Jesus at that point in time. And just, wow, there's a lot of glory happening right here. But he sent them out. Go tell my disciples. Go tell people that I'm alive. He gives the disciples a massive task, but he unleashes his power throughout the earth and in his children to do great and mighty things through Christ. And here we are, 2,000-some years later, at the ends of the earth, worshiping the same God in the same baptism, fellowshipping in the same communion, following the same Great Commission, and following Jesus. And the Great Commission is being fulfilled. And we are a part of that. Here we are at the ends of the earth, and we are members of this body. The gates of hell have not prevailed against the church, and they will not prevail against the church still. This is our heritage, and it's our legacy if we participate in it. Thank you for that. And we are invited to participate in it. 1 Corinthians 3 calls us co-laborers with Christ. He does the heavy lifting. He sent his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is in within us to do great and mighty things in the authority of Jesus. And he is interceding for us at the right hand of the Father, and we are his ambassadors. 
If you profess to be a disciple of Jesus, you are written into this great story, and you are commissioned yourself to make disciples too. This is not something just for a few people. You know, I kind of remember thinking, well, that, that commission, it's just for some who, like, go and live in Africa, Ethiopia, say, for example, or, you know, um, so, oh, they go away from home. They go away from here. It has so much less to do with your geographical location and more to do with the condition of your heart and the word on your tongue. So today I am imploring you to have a going heart. You may or may not go overseas. The ends of the earth is still very much alive and well. If you just turn on the news or read the news, you can see that there's plenty of our world still trapped in darkness that need a witness of Jesus. I mean, do you agree with that? But today, I want you to have a going heart where you are at, and we'll let the Lord take care of those details of geography. So what is a going heart? A going heart says this, who can I love that is different from me? It's very easy to get comfortable in our community, people who are like us, who think like us, who have the same zip code as us. Who can I love that is different from me? How can I serve and display Christ to someone who does not know him? Do you think about that? Think about that. When you wake up in the morning, Lord, if there's anybody that I'm going to encounter today that you would like to speak, me to speak to on your behalf, show me, help me, give me the words. How can I preach the gospel in word and deed to someone who does not know him? How can I send someone to preach to those who have little chance of hearing about the true and big story and the great story of God's love for us? Am I willing to go to another culture, place, town, state, country for the sake of the gospel? So this is my challenge. Have a going heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. I know it's difficult. I know it's not easy. And I'm not even asking you to like go door knocking and, you know, be an evangelist. I just want to share a couple quick things. This week, I um, had two different people that I didn't know very well, but I, you know, was in a conversation with, hey, so what are you doing this weekend? And one of them, I said, oh, you know, I'm going to church. And she did not want to talk about it. And I thought, oh, because I, I use that a lot of times of like, just, you know, let's get a conversation going about the Lord or see where they're at. And maybe I can just help them along in their journey. Sometimes people say, oh, really? Where do you go? I go here. And the, you know, but she was not interested about the fact that I went to church. And so I thought, oh. You know, usually I get a little bit more response than that, and I thought, well, actually, I'm preaching. I thought I'd throw that out there. Maybe <laughs> she didn't, and she really didn't want to know what I had to say. And you know, that's okay. That's okay. But somebody else I talked to, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, going to church. And that conversation was very different. She opened up to me about the death of her father and, you know, how hard it's been. Hey, can I pray for you? This, these are the types of conversations we need to be having. 
and there wasn't any major significant thing that happened when with the more receptive lady that I was talking to but rich this weekend or this week he talked to somebody and they said well how can I be saved I mean these conversations you're gonna come across a variety of people that are in different places in their walk with God and we need to be there to support undergird and help them along however wherever they're at in their journey if you feel like you don't know what to say say these words how can I pray for you look at somebody right now and just say can I pray for you let's all practice can I pray for you your neighbor can I pray for you there you go see it's easy I know sometimes it's like oh you don't have to bust out with the four spiritual laws or talking about this great story of redemption just open. can I pray for you and see what God does he will do things if we tune our hearts to this God give us give me a going heart as I go to school as I go to work as I go to the grocery store as I get my nails done there might be opportunities there to share the love of God and that is what we are called to do I'm gonna pray Lord, thank you for loving us. <clears throat> thank you for this great big story of redemption. Thank you for writing us in. Thank you that we even know you. Lord, give us a heart. Give us a desire to love others, Lord. To share your truth. God, give us courage to go Lord, I thank you that you will not leave us alone. You've given us a task. You will go with us. Holy Spirit, would you ignite our hearts with passion for you and passion for others? that we could go and do what you've called us to do. I thank you that we do not have to be afraid, that you are always with us. I pray, God, today, maybe some of you have somebody even in mind. Maybe it's the lady who does your nails. Maybe it's the grocer. Maybe it's somebody that you talk to at your kid's school. I want you to just take a moment right now and pray for them and ask the Lord to lead you in sharing his love. And I'm going to ask you, just you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but if you would just make a commitment in your heart this week, asking the Lord to bring people to you that you can minister to in word and deed and both and Lord I ask that this would transform us so much so that our community 
would see new disciples added to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. It's interesting. <clears throat> I'm, not, I don't, I'm not employed by the church. I, I'm, I'm a realtor. And it's amazing how when you take this heart into a regular old job, how all of a sudden it's less about, you know, necessarily selling houses and more about, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you. Like, you're facing some crazy stuff, and yeah, we'll get the house taken care of or not, but I want to pray for you. And I, I implore you, go into your work with that mentality and see what God does. See how God will use you. He will. And it might be messy, might be clumsy, but he will use you. Amen? Amen. All right. Can we stand together? We are, um, thank you. <laughs> we are going to take a short break, then we'll come back. And um, there's refreshments over there, and we're going to pass the peace. So may the peace of Christ be with you.